Well, hi everybody, Lisa Tamati here from Pushing the Limits. Fantastic to have you aboard again. It's going to be a great episode. I've just interviewed one of the most amazing men that you're ever going to come across, an adventurer, Ray Zahab. So you're going to hear his story, his life story, and it's going to be epic, absolutely epic. One of the greatest adventurers of all time. Uh, but before we get underway, if you want to hit me up, please do so on either Instagram at Lisa Tamati or on Facebook at Lisa Tamati or feel free to email me lisa at lisatamati.co.nz and of course make sure you check out our programs at lisatamati.com, our running programs, body transformation programs, our mindset and our epigenetics programs, speaking and jewellery. We do a heck of a lot over at lisatamati.com. So without further ado, over to Ray Sayab. Well, hi everybody and welcome to Pushing the Limits. This week I have an absolute superstar to guess. You're not going to believe what I've pulled off. I have got Ray Sahab with me. Now Ray, for those of you who don't know, and I don't know if you could possibly have missed what he's done in his life, but he is one of the greatest adventurers of all times. He's a Canadian adventurer and an ultra-distance runner, obviously. Being on my show, you'd think that would be logical. Um, Ray has done so many expeditions um, the most famous one probably is running across the Sahara uh, with Kim Lynn and, and Charlie Engel back in, what was that, 2007, I think, or six. Um, he's also done recently the Trans-Kamchatka, which we'll definitely want to talk to him today about, the Trans-Namibia. And Ray is uh, an amazing person because he's also running a non-profit, um, Impossible to Possible, which helps young people get into adventure, and we're going to talk to him about that today. He's a fellow of the Royal Geographic Society and he's run over 14,000 kilometres across deserts all around the world. So welcome to the show, Ray. It's an absolute pleasure. Listeners, you're in for an absolute treat. Thanks for coming on, Ray. Well, thank you for having me. And you were like way too nice in my introduction there. <laughs> that was like, uh, <laughs> that's super nice again, but I'll roll with it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, well, you deserve it, mate. Everything, and that, that only is a, is a tiny portion of what Ray has actually done. I can't go through the whole list as we'll be here for an hour just going what you've done. But Ray, you're also the author of two books and funnily enough, you've got Running For My Life and the other one is Running To Extremes, which is the same title as my book. <laughs> it's awesome. Brilliant, Brilliant minds, right? That's yeah. what they say. You know, so we came up with the same time. You know, it's funny, um, Lisa, you know, you brought up all these projects that I've done. If somebody wants to learn more, they just go to my website, raiseahab.com, whatever, and they can read about the projects I've done. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a person who kind of lives, and I'm sure you're the same way, but, like, you don't you don't kind of, like, relive what you've already done. Yeah. You're thinking about what's happening down the road. And I have this, I have this giant filing cabinet at home where it's got, like, a bunch of junk tucked away in it and, and, uh, and awards that I was you know, honored to receive. Like I have a meritorious cross from the yeah. Canadian government. I got yeah. a Guinness record, all this stuff, but none of it hangs on my walls. Really? Right. And I just, <laughs> I just nah, it's, all, it's tucked away in my final cabinet for my daughters. So someday if they really want to read all that stuff about the old man, they can, but I'm not focused on, you know, yeah. I, I try not to dwell into what I've done other than, you know, to reflect and learn from it, because honestly, I want to keep moving forward. Yep. And I want to be able to share with people this absolute belief I have that 
everyone is capable of doing something extraordinary in their lives. That Amen. you don't have just because I go and I've ran whatever fourteen thousand, maybe more now. I have to re it up yeah. kilometers, and and so many unsupported, crazy Arctic expeditions and everything else. Still, I believe you know I'm just a regular dude. Look, anyone else who's found out what they love and what they're passionate about, and I just kind of rolled with it. And I think that that's the trick in life that people miss, right? They just, it's finding passion, happiness and passion. If you have those two things in your life, you are wealthy beyond your wildest dreams because you only got one kick at the can, right? right absolutely. And so totally. make the most out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. I think that it's a fantastic attitude and it really shows your humility and humbleness too, I must admit, because, you know, but I think it is really important to celebrate what you have done as well because it, it does. I know when I look back over my years of doing crazy stuff, and as I said to you before, I'm, I'm unable to do some of the stuff at the moment with the situation that I'm in, it does give you confidence and strength to move forward and believe in what you can do. And when you when you add up a whole lot of cool adventures and, and cool things, and this is the power of adventure, I think. Um, so that sort of segues really nicely into the work that you're doing with youth, with your impossible to uh, yeah uh, impossible to possible. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why youth is really important to you and, and what you're trying to do there? Yeah, hundred percent. So it's interesting you bring it up. Um, when I started, so background or background or back, sort of backing up. So you know my story, uh, like many people in yeah. our in our youth. You know, I'm 50 now, so it wasn't uncommon when I was young. Uh, we were all smoking way too much, drinking way too much, partying way too hard. But I just never sort of stopped, and I just carried on. Um, you know, into adulthood, I barely got out of high school. I dropped out of community college. I was not driven, and I was completely uninterested in learning. And I was. Um, that's a very unhappy person. And, you know, <clears throat> admitting to yourself that you're unhappy, being unhappy or, or not, um, you know, having a low point uh, in your life is very relative to you as an individual, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't really compare your situation, per se, to someone else's necessarily and measure it. It's how you feel at the time, and it's like you just feel absolutely horrible, right? And so yeah. I just didn't know where I was going to go. And I'm, I'm lucky that I have such an amazing brother who is a huge inspiration to me. He's younger than I am a year younger. And he had gone through sort of this life transformation where he was an unhealthy pack of a smoker like me. Yeah. And he um, ended up becoming like this Ironman triathlete. He was doing all this really cool stuff that I was completely unfamiliar with. And he made it look cool and he loved it. And he was like <laughs> so stoked about doing those things that I wanted to feel the way he did. Mm. And the pathway seemed to me to be, well, maybe if I did the things he did, I could gain the confidence that he has. And and and, and I don't know, maybe my life would be different. So that was the path I started down. Now, that was in 2000. Like, that seems wow. like so long ago. But anyhow, that's when I quit smoking. And then within three years, I started running. I was adventure racing. I was racing mountain bikes. That was my first passion was mountain biking. Uh -huh. And I did well. I mean, I loved it. But when I started running um, after the adventure races, uh, the very first running race I ever did was the Yukon Arctic Ultra. And I won it. <laughs> and I never thought in my life that I would ever win anything physical. I mean, look, at five years before the finish line of the Yukon Arctic Ultra, if you had said to me, hey, guess what? One day you're going to run 100 miles in the Arctic and you're going to win this crazy running race. I'd say, 
the air smoke yeah. something stronger than I ever did, right? Like, I just never saw myself as that guy. Yeah, yeah. But, but it happened. And so, wow. to answer your question in the absolutely longest way possible, that started me on a journey where running would become, I, I always say this, my greatest teacher. Yeah. And I went and did ultras all over the world. Like, I was racing all over the world in, in the craziest races because those were the ones I liked. I liked the desert races. I love the sense of adventure because I was 35 years old and I was completely reborn, wow. right? Yeah. And doing something I love. So then when I ran across the Sahara in 2006, 2007 with Charlie and Kevin, um, what we were able to achieve together as one unit running 111 days, roughly 7,500 kilometers, yep. um, what we were able to achieve personally and as a group, to me, was um, almost unbelievable. I couldn't believe it was me that was doing it, this guy who had had come from not being an athlete to doing these kinds of things. Yeah. And then to have this film crew, Matt Damon's film team, making a documentary, and the documentary became this huge thing, I realized that people were excited about this adventure. They were learning from it, as we were. And I found on the adventure that I was learning about the water crisis in Africa. I was learning about a new culture that I'd never seen. I was learning so much. And, and that's the point. I was learning. And I was passionate about it. And I thought, you know what? If I could save another 16-year-old a lot of time yep. and give young people an opportunity to go and do what it is that I do, then that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. So Impossible to Possible is a non-profit organization. I'm the founder. There's co-founder Bob Cox. We do everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I, I, you know, the goal with it was simple. The create expeditions that are free. So we take these young people on it, their own expeditions. All the world have done, I think, 15 of them. Wow. By 14, 15. From places like the Amazon jungle, the deserts. We've been in Tunisia. We've been in Rajasthan, uh, the Canadian Arctic. And these these young people go on these expeditions, which turn into learning curriculums, which we pipe into schools through a live website using satellite. And everything is 100% free, you know, and it's my passion. I'm a volunteering organization. This is what I love to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, my expeditions basically are are the way that I fund it. Wow. So, so yeah, so your expeditions, so you manage the, the funding for such a thing must be huge. I mean... The, the comprehension of doing something like that, I can't. I mean, my mind's just going boggling with what that would entail. How the heck have well, you managed to get it, enough support? Yes. Sorry, I, I, I'm talking over you with the Skype thing here. I apologize. So there's a bit of a delay in the line. So the way it works, I mean, I've been doing this for years, like adventure and, and being an explorer, if, if I use that term. That's mm-hmm. my full-time gig. That's what I do, right? Yep. So, I have two daughters. I have a wife. She's an ultra runner. My girls are growing up there, you know, in all kinds of sports, cross-country skiing, biathlon, everything. And so, you know, my family, I want to support my family and take care of my family. So I go on my expeditions. I speak. Um, I'm very fortunate. I, there's not a lot of the corporate stuff that I do, but I do a lot of corporate speaking. That helps pay bills. Mm. And then um, with the sponsorships that I have, uh, and the great companies that support me, they as well support Impossible to Possible. And so by building those relationships through doing my own expeditions, it in turn supports um, the youth-based organization, Impossible to Possible. So it's this weird place that I exist well, yeah. in. <laughs> you know, everything just yeah. kind of, you know, works. And some years are, are really great. I mean, with Impossible to Possible, it's getting more expensive. We used to do two youth expeditions every year. Now we do one. But... 
uh, it's a big deal. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, we, we plan all year for it and we go and it's, um, it's epic. We have I, an I amazing time. I take to you because I know how hard it is to, to, to get funding for things for your own expeditions, let alone to fund something like that. And I know you have a huge uh, reputation that you can call on um, and so on, but that, that, that is really impressive and that you have such a heart for young people because it is like, like it's just, when you do adventures, I, I mean, I started quite late in life like you. I started in, what, was I 28 or something when I really got into to doing stuff? Um, and it, it changes who you think you are and what you think you're capable of. I mean, you must, when you say you're a regular, everyday guy, you can't, you can't seriously mean that. I mean, you must be superhuman. I'm being the devil's advocate here because <laughs> people well, you know, see you it, as my, bro- my, my brother's got, uh, you know, I, so we have a very high lactate threshold and there are physical rabbit cooked in products so many times in so many labs. There yeah. are, you know, uh, physical reasons why I could go in and, and win the Yukon Arctic Ultra and then these other races that yeah. I would go in for, for example, and then continue to do the stuff I'm doing now at 50 and I'm actually stronger now at 50. Yep. So yes, for sure. There, there is that genetic piece, but honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm a big truthful. I'm not saying it cause it sounds good. It's how I feel. I mean, I really do feel like, you know, I, this is just what I do. And I'm passionate about it. When you're passionate about it and you couldn't, out there, when you hang it all out there, yeah. you can really do amazing things. You know, for 30 years, the first 30 years of my life, I was completely risk adverse. I was so afraid of taking chances and risks um, because I was afraid of what other people would think mm-hmm. or that I would fail or whatever. And then in this new life and for the last almost 20 years now for me, that's been a completely reverse position. Like I... I do take chances, I take risks, but I, I get better at doing it. And I think you become liberated. You become unencumbered by uh, feelings of, well, I, you know, I can't do this, and therefore we all can't do this, whatever X, Y, and Z is. Instead, my start point is human beings are, we underestimate ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. Like We can do so much more than we think. And, and, I'll also tell you, you know, I get to go running with a lot of young people who are insanely strong. There's so many great runners out there, and um, there's so many great stories. You are an amazing runner. You know, you're an amazing athlete. You have amazing stories. And so we we all sort of exist in this world um, of possibility. I really do believe that. So from a personal perspective, that's where my head always is. I try not to ever let... It sink in for too long. Oh, I just ran across the Namibian desert in the middle of summer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't let yeah. that. I say it once, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds pretty insane. Oh, but I got it done. At the time when I'm doing it, all I'm thinking about is one day at a time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, and 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 there's so many lessons in that one day at a time, and focusing solely on. You know, I, I listened to a podcast yesterday, and they were talking about how important obsession is. And what you can achieve when you become obsessed with something. And I think when you're doing any adventure, you know, like the, the things that you've done or even the things that I've done, you become totally obsessive. Like you're thinking about it almost 24-7. You wake up and it's in your brain and you're training for it and you're preparing. And everything you do is geared towards that. And I think there's a, there's a beautiful thing in that having that singular purpose, um, having... At the moment in my life, I don't have that because I've got, you know, situations, uh, you know, domestic situations with mum and so on. 
and I miss that. I miss that singular focus, that, that almost egotistical focus that you can get. And when you have that type of obsession, that's when you achieve the extraordinary, I think. Would you agree? I do, I do agree. I mean, you know, but I would also say, standing back and looking in, the reason you're able to be this amazing daughter who takes care of their mom in such a, a difficult situation instead of just handing her off to some, you know, yep. uh, extra home care is because of the things that you've done. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's brought you to this point so yep. that you have that ability. So it transcends sport. Oh, You know yes. what I mean? And, totally. And so, I, you know, I, I, I agree. And, and But, you know, I think it's really interesting that that's where you are at right now. And then this, in turn will pass and when it does you'll be back into the game and you'll be even more dangerous than you ever were before right <laughs> it go, you know? that would be cool cool to think um but yeah and i and I, I do think one of the biggest things that i you know passionate about in my work and 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 coaching and teaching um the stuff that we do is helping people realize that they can achieve so much more and that the, there are so many learnings I'm writing my third book at the moment called Relentless, and it's actually mum's story and how I applied a lot of the stuff that we learn out in the field, out doing these crazy things that we've done, um, to real-world situations. And I think the value of what you do and what you teach young people or in your corporate speaking or, or in your books is very much the same as what I believe, and that you learn so many lessons that you can apply then across the board. It's not about running, really, is it? No. You know what's so interesting is that it really isn't. And it's funny, I'm writing my third book right now, too. I think I'm going to call it Relentless. Just for the heck of it. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, it's, it's funny that you say because also over the years, uh, these last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, I've had people uh, emailing me after the youth expedition saying, oh, why don't you do something like this for adults? And I'm thinking, well, I'd love to, except I could never afford to do it, you know, for free. Yeah. It's not going to happen, right? And then, um, or people emailing me after my own expeditions, because as you know, I share my expeditions with satellite, and I do the best I can to really bring it to people with great content. And I never try to make it over dramatic and like, oh, it's just, you know, it's impossible out here. Obviously, I'll tell the hard parts, but I want to dwell on the amazingness of the place that I'm in. That's what I want to share. So it becomes accessible, right? So I've had people say, you know, after the Atacama Desert, so I, I went north to south the entire Atacama Desert, desert 1,200 kilometers, and I went in the middle of summer solo, and I was off-road navigating. Um, you know, I had to pack out all my emergency supplies, and I would meet up with Bob, my buddy Christian, and they would resupply me anywhere between 20 and 50K at a time. And I would try to, most, I did several days over 70, but I mean, it ended up being a 60K a day average for 20 days, basically, wow. okay? I'm getting to my point. Yeah. So I did this expedition. I, I was inundated with people saying, I would love to go there. I want, And I, so I knew at, in 2011 when I did the Out of Canada, someday I'm going to find a way that I'll be able to take people and give them that experience that you're talking about that knowledge that we yeah. are so fortunate so i started a um an expedition company it's called capic one mm -hmm. k-a-p-i-k and then the number one expedition company yep. uh, people can find it's just capic one.com yep yeah capic one.com and um I'll put it in the show notes. We are, we're ironically going the very first expedition that we will guide to the Atacama Desert in summer, wow. this December. Oh. And we're taking eight people 
across a section of the Atacama Desert. I don't want to say exactly where because I don't want to give up the route. Yep. And um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be eight days. They're going to experience what we experienced for eight days, um, door to door, six days in the desert, and it's going to be epic. And then I'm doing another one in Siberia on, on Lake Baikal in February 2020, uh, an unsupported expedition where, again, through this company that people get to go and do what I do. Oh, you know, and do it for a week. Wow. So, so you know, so me, this eh? This is now for adults, and this is something that people can actually, you know, register and become yes. a part of in future? I mean, these yeah, things will be booked absolutely. out, obviously. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That, that, is, that is fascinating. That is really, yeah. so that's your that's your next sort of stage in your, your, your development, if you like. If you're, I yeah. would say it's just another thing I'm doing. It's so funny because I'm doing so many things at one time. I have yeah. a race series here where I live, and I've got, of course, Impossible to Possible. We continue to do stuff. This is just another thing that I've really excited to do. I'm an explorer in residence with the Royal Canadian Geographic Society. I'm creating a youth program with them. So I'm just excited to do a lot of different things, wow. um, you know, and, and share as much of it that I can while I can, while I'm still out there doing this stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you and I are the same age as well, by the way. We're both 50. Um, yeah, there we go. It's a magical it, number. It is. Know? And, you know, like the, the wonderful thing about this thing is, is that age is no barrier really, is it? What's yeah, your exactly. what's your thoughts on getting older and and you know um, the body perhaps not being as you know bouncy as it was? <laughs> well, remember remember when we were young? I remember being like twenty and knowing people who were thirty and thinking, man, that dude is so old. I'm never going to be thirty, right? And then you know, then you turn thirty, then you turn forty, and you're like, okay, yeah, get okay. me now. Fifty, forget it. But yeah. now you're fifty. And you're like, I just saw somebody commented the other day. I, I, you know, I made a post on social media. I was at a bunch of schools, just hanging out with some students and talking to them, uh, sharing some stories with them. And their school, it was their 50th anniversary. So I took a photo and I was like, Hey, I'm as old as this school. And somebody posted on my thing. And they're like, Nah, 50 is the new 40. Yeah, is that is that saying that right? So you know, I mean, it's it's amazing. But really, I feel better than I did when I was. You know, uh, drunk all the time at twenty five. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I and I truly believe like that, that that through doing what we do, okay, there's a bit of danger, and I've I've struggled with this. I don't know about you with with burnout and adrenal and hormone problems, kidney problems. <laughs> Actually, the list is quite long, but um, I do feel better now at fifty than I did at twenty, um, and I feel like I'm, I'm physically stronger as well as mentally stronger. Um, definitely had a few hiccups along the way, uh, but I don't, I don't think we realise that you know. At, once again, it's a construct that society puts on you. You're 40 years old. You're 50 years old. You can't be doing this anymore. When actually, you know, you and I both know 60, 70, 80 year olds doing crazy stuff, and we know well, that it's possible. Well, you know, you know, what's really I find fascinating too, Lisa, is the physiology. The physiological aspect of what it is that we do, really this generation of 50 and 60 year olds, if you think about it, is the first generation that really, they're doing so much of this stuff, right? It's like, it's like this generation has graduated into, you know, like you look at Marshall Ulrich, what's he yeah. at? I, you know, I was talking to Marshall the other day, and he's like 65 or 66, and yeah. I, you know, I've known Marshall for as long as I've been doing this stuff and the dude just doesn't slow down, you know? And so, you know, I think there's a physiological thing that's happening where athletes, the aging athlete is a lot stronger than let's say 
maybe the 50 and 60 year olds with exceptions always in the 1970s right so yes. it's interesting to to see where it's going also though you look at the sport of ultra running and you know you've seen some of these amazing athletes that are getting into it with these blistering times mm. i mean you look at western states now times yeah. there it's just crazy but that's where it's going it's so exciting it's getting to fun. see where the young athletes are in the sport and like you know the faster runners are coming in these fast marathon runners or whatever and doing these Amazing ducks, and also at the other end of the sport, like the aging athlete, seeing where it's going. I think it's just totally fascinating. Yeah, because when we started, if you like, I mean, I started what, 25 years ago or so, it was bugger all knowledge around. There wasn't any, you know, I don't remember not even having electrolytes or um, taking all the wrong foods, no knowledge of what the heck we were doing. And now we have all of these things and gear and everything at our fingertips. And, of course, that and experience, which helps you, I think, counteract to the fact that you're getting a bit older. Um, although I must admit, like, the last uh, few years I struggled with burnout. Um, I struggled with kidney problems and um, ended up with, with a health, you know, a few major health problems from, from what I'd done. Have you ever suffered anything permanent? From the extreme dehydration, the extreme load that you put on your body? Not, not, not really. I mean, you know, knock on wood. I mean, there's yeah. been obviously parasitic stuff yeah. that has been an issue for me ongoing. So I have to be very careful about what I eat and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, no, not, not so much, you know. Yeah. And, um, but just to go back to, to some interesting points too, and, I, and I'll come right back to this too, but in the conversation I'm talking about, you know, athletes from a different time. What I've also always found fascinating and would be interesting to see is some of those earlier uh, Ironman triathletes. Yep. Some of the times they were putting down, like in Hawaii and stuff like that, Tinley, all of them, were so fast. They Those times would stand up today, you know, in Ironman. So it's interesting how you've got those both um, – those both sides. But I think we're going to see some amazing things happening on the ultra running scene. I think people just keep watching. And I think we're going to see a lot of them. The, the more broader the sport gets, it's just such an exciting time for people to be getting into ultra running and trail running because the sport is just going to it's it's explode. It's going to get yeah. even bigger. It you is, know? But um, you were saying, you were asking about uh, lingering things. You know, I've had all kinds of injuries, obviously. You know, when I ran across the Gobi, uh, I did that solo as well. And that was over... 2000 K I guess. And, and I was running with wind at the, at the end of the expedition, wind was blowing like just insane winds out of the North. And I was constantly leaned into these, these winds, a lot of the storms and, um, ended up injuring and tearing all of the abdominals, injuring my obliques, uh, my entire left side. So that I struggled with that for two or three years and I was still doing expeditions every year, but you know, I, the science is getting better. The ability to recover is getting better. Yeah. We have, I have better physical therapy. I have, so I'm able to get over stuff. Stuff that perhaps could have been a lingering thing Absolutely. is, yep. um, you know, no longer lingering. Yeah, right? and you can get on top of it. And I think if you have the attitude that I can come back and I can overcome things, then then you're more likely to. Um, you know, and there's so many. I mean, I know with uh, with Mum's journey, with the journey that I've been on with her, and with my own health journey, having tumors and things. Um, I've found stuff out there that it, it just blows your mind what is available now to us 
that isn't necessarily at your local doctors. You've got to go and do the research. You've got to find your own answers, and then there often is answers out there that people aren't aware of, um, and that we can really come, you know, make ourselves stronger and take responsibility. I think for our own health, rather than just passing it off to some pharmaceutical company. And you know, don't let me get on my soapbox there, but um, you know, I think that we have access to so much information now both from a performance perspective and a health perspective that we're really really lucky that the time that we live in is pretty special absolutely i mean and i agree with you i think the more we can do proactively for our health the better off we are right i mean the more that we can do the more that we can learn about our bodies it's never a bad thing no you know? absolutely not so right just um i want to you know look <laughs> I want to ask you a couple of questions. Now, how if if I'm a young person wanting to get into just well, just starting out running, and I want to get and push my own limits and start to explore, how do you overcome that voice inside your head that says I can't do it and this is too hard and I don't want to get up in the morning and train and I? How do you fight against that? Where do you find your drive and your motivation? Are you just an anomaly? Like people look at people like you and even me and go, oh, well, they are just different. And I bet you have you know, days. People, people think, people think I love to get up in the morning yeah. and just go for a really long run, yeah. and it's just like, uh, no. you know, all uh, unicorns and lollipops. But to be honest <laughs> with you, uh, you know, I, it's, it's a real drag sometimes. Yeah. I do because I need, I know I need to do it. And my best advice for people of any age, young person, old person, any kind of person, middle-aged person, when you're in that sort of groove where you're like, oh, I just like the dread is overcoming, you just don't want to get in and do it, I go on autopilot. Yeah. I allow myself to say the, all these things in my head. I'm like, I am not running today. And I'm saying that while I'm putting my shorts on. There's no way I'm going outside and I'm tying my shoes. You know, And then you just kind of just, you override and you just get out there because you know you could be having the worst day ever. And if you go for a run one kilometer in, if you can just get a K done, yep. you feel so much better. Yep. So basically, it's just getting to that point, and then you're like, ah, it's not so bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. whatever what I was complaining But a lot of days are like that for me. I just don't feel like training, but oh, I do it. And the other thing powerful. I think that's really important, yep. Lisa, the other thing that I think is really important that a lot of people get hung up on is the amount that they're training. It's quality versus quantity. Oh, so any clients that I work so with, I do a little bit of training on the side uh, with clients and stuff like that in, in various fields and um, you know of adventure and ultra running. And, and for me, I always try to emphasize with them, don't worry, don't get this huge number in your mind, well, i got to run 100 miles this week. Because if you don't, <laughs> if you start to fall short, then what happens is you're like, oh, what's the point? You know what, I'm not going to reach my goal this week, so I may as well take a few days off. It's not about that. It's about the quality. And for people that are just starting out in running, even more is it important to just think of it as – don't try to build Rome in a day. If you're new to running, five minutes is a huge amount. Yep. That's a huge because you know what? It's five more minutes than you would have done if you didn't go. Yeah, right? So it's basically five times what you would have done. If you stay home and sat on the couch eating a bag of chips. And people so do the reality is you can do so you can just by moving, by starting, even if you're a trained ultra marathoner, it's it's a benefit to your body physiologically. You can be the most well trained machine on the planet and movement is better than stagnation. Yeah. You know? 
and, and I think there's some, some powerful messages. I hope people picked up on that. Go on auto autopilot. Don't think, just do, as the Nike slogan says. If you just put your shoes on, put your, put your shorts on, and go out the front door and something will happen, even if you don't want to. People have this misconception that you and I and all the other, you know, ultramarathon runners out there are motivated all the time. That is completely untrue. And the mo if you are looking always for motivation and to be inspired to go out the door, that is never going to happen. You have to drag your own ass out there and make it happen for that first couple of kilometers and then your body will kick into gear. And that's a really, really important point. And the other one that you brought up there, the quality over the quantity. I have, uh, you know, we have an online run coaching company called Running Hot and we are not high mileage coaches. We do not just do mileage for the sake of mileage. And people are often hung up with the amount of kilometers that they should be running. If I want to do this distance, I have to do that many kilometers. And for me, it's far more about being holistic in your approach, looking after your health, your hydration, your nutrition, doing your strength exercises, your mobility work, as well as your running, but not focusing on, to the exclusion of everything else, on running hundreds of kilometers, because you, you know, when people are training for a marathon, they'll do their biggest, longest run at, say, 30, 31, 32 kilometers, right? When we're doing a 200, 300, or in your case, 2,000 kilometer race, you cannot train for that. Like, physically, you cannot actually prepare your body for that load. So how do you comprehend it when you've never actually done that sort of a distance before, right? You know, it's it's interesting. I'll tell you, my wife Kathy, so she she loves these two hundred mile races, you know, and so she goes and this is her thing. So we and then we all get together, we go down with friends and we crew her and it's just we have a lot of fun doing it, right? So anyhow, she is super busy. She's um an environmental engineer and she's a consultant, she's always working and works a ton. And of course we have two daughters, so we're on the go, this family's on the go, and last or two years ago, she was training four times per week, maybe five, because, you know, on average, I would probably average out to about four days a week. Yep. And she had some long runs, but none of the runs were over six, eight hours, because that's all, like, for the longest run yep. that she had time for. And the rest of them were all, because we live in a very hilly area, so, like, a bunch of ski resorts in the area, so she was going up and down ski hills and all this stuff. Anyhow, she went and did Bigfoot, 200 miler, which is a very hard race, and wow. she finished fourth. Wow. She finished fourth, right? It's not her full-time thing by a long shot. So we made her program, we based her program around the time that she had. Here's the other really critical thing for the runners that are listening, Lisa. It's not about jamming your life into a program. It's about making the program fit your life. Oh, you have so to good. do what's realistic. <laughs> and people just all too often get hung up on, well, Tuesday's a speed workout day. And if yeah. Tuesday doesn't work out for speed, then the rest of the week has gone to pot. And it's just not the way it works. No. It's not the way we physiologically work. You you structure your week around what you have time for, given family, life, everything else. Because if you're de-stressed, that is when you're going to train your best. And it's not the run that makes you stronger. It's the recovery so it's getting ample sleep, the right kind of foods, not fad dieting or anything else. It's eating right and finding the foods that work best for your body, fueling your body the right way. Keep it, you know, all, any, any of the clients that I have keep a food journal. For one reason and one reason only, when you eat a certain meal and you have a great workout, you're feeling really good that day, write down the foods that you ate. Get to know your body. I can tell you right now, 
Like for me, salmon, potatoes, and olive oil, those things are magic for me. Like they just, they work really well. My body loves those foods. Yep. And if I could eat that three meals a day yep. for the rest of my life, if we did that Desert Island thing where you said, right, you can only eat two things for the rest of your life, <laughs> like you're stranded on Desert Island, it would be salmon and potatoes because it works good. So you figure out what works best for you. And I'm not saying you eat the same foods all the time, but you figure out what foods work best and then you eliminate the ones that make you feel like crap. You know, I can assure you that the bag of Oreos are going to taste really good, but they're going to yeah. make you feel like crap. Okay. You know, you, you take them off the list and then you, you treat yourself once a week to that, but you, you look at your nutrition and your recovery as even more critical pieces to your workouts and you make the workouts fit your life. Absolutely. Man, I, I'm so glad I had you on the show just for all my athletes because, you know, they hear me, <laughs> they hear me preaching it, but then they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when an expert like you comes along and, and just completely reinforces what I've said, I hope you guys are all listening and I hope you're taking note. It doesn't that's, actually... Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they have a great coach if you're telling them that. So, <laughs> that's, that's reality. Because, I mean, listen, yeah. let's be serious. And most, of us, most of us have yeah. busy careers and life and kids and, and we're not professional athletes, so they, they, they have to fit everything. And if you overstress your body because you're trying to fit rigidly with a huge plan uh, on top of your life, you're just going to blow yourself up, maybe blow your marriage up, not be there for your kids. And that's not the, the point of it either, you know. Um, so you have to find a way to make the plan fit your life without killing you. And then you'll be a much freer athlete and have less stress and achieve more with less. It's, it's, exactly. Yeah. It's, totally. Uh, I it's think a great it's, philosophy. Yeah. So, so Ray, I know I'm, I'm conscious of your time because I know you're a very, very busy man and you've got all these people to help and uh, expeditions to plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ray, uh, let's go over once again how people can get in contact with you and where they can follow you on social because I want all my followers to follow you and make sure that they're getting in your books, reading your books. I'd love to hear when your book comes out and I'll let you know when mine comes out and can, we can um, tell everybody about, about them. Um, about our books, Relentless A and Relentless B, it'll yeah, be great, yeah. you know? So, it's a good title. Uh, so, uh, listen, you know what? I, I, I'm on social media. So Facebook, it's it's just my name, Ray Zahab. I have a public page. It's, it's the one you've been messaging me on with yeah. the little blue check beside my name. I check that one every day. Uh, it's just an easier place, um, you know, uh, to communicate with people. It's such a great forum, that one. So I use that. Instagram as well, Ray Zahab. I, I find myself posting a lot there. Yep. Um, daily because it's just so easy. I, I post daily to Instagram and Twitter, and I, every few days to um, my Facebook page. So everything is just at Race Ahab basically, um, and, and I'm easy to find on all social media, even LinkedIn. I'm there on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. So, um, and then my website has um, links to Impossible to Pop. My website is just my name again. It's raiseahab.com, and you'll find uh, links to. Um, the foundation to impossible to possible and all that stuff. And then as far as the guiding goes, if anybody's interested in what we're doing with Capic One, Capic One yep. just check out the website, capicone.com, K-A-P-I-K-1.com. And um, get in touch with me. There's a there's an email link there. We have a great team of people. So, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's that, the easiest way. We'll put all that in the show notes for everybody. But do reach out to Ray. Do read his books. Do find out what he's all about because he's a fantastic teacher and a, and a fantastic human being. Um, Ray, look, I'd just like to thank you so much for taking your time to share with my followers 
all the crazy, amazing things. You're you're one of my idols. I had um, Charlie Engel on the show a while back, um, and what you guys did back then is absolutely incredible. Um, that that still blows my mind. But every single one of the things you've done is incredible. So I can't even pick one that that is that stands out more because there are just so many. Um, but people, listen to Ray. You do, okay, he's got talent as an athlete. I did, never did, but he has. But it's really not about that. It's more about your mindset, isn't it, Ray? It is. Okay, I've said this so many times. 90% mental, the other 10% all in your head. I mean, yeah. it really is. It comes down to you know when you're going to do these things endurance-wise. Any of your clients, let's say, that are runners or, or cyclists or triathletes or adventure racers, whatever they're doing that there is going to be a certain amount of physical discomfort. But let's be honest, we all love it. I mean, we love doing what we do. And, um, you know, I've talked with Charlie about this. I've talked with so many endurance athletes about this, that at the end of the day, we come to terms that it's going to be difficult to do these things. So we accept that. Anything that stops you after that comes down to, unless it's a traumatic injury, comes down to, what's in your head, right? And so it's overcoming. So, you know, I would encourage people to not or or, or to exceed what they think might be possible, you know? And really, as corny as that sounds, really think about it the next time you're out there that you're capable of more than what you think you are. I mean, all those tacky sayings that are on coffee mugs are all actually really true. true. I mean, it's it's (laughs) legit. It's totally legit. Totally. All right, right. Well, thank you so much, um... You know, thanks for taking the time. And you're in Canada and Quebec and Canada. I would love to come and visit you. Maybe when Mum's better, I'll be able to do that. <laughs> Failing that, mate, I'd love to invite you to come over here. <laughs> well, who doesn't <laughs> want to go there? Yeah, I know. Like spot, we have this yeah? amazing country with all these crazy things over here. So please come and come and visit New Zealand sometime too in your adventures. Ray, you've been absolutely awesome and so generous with your time today. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much.